Welcome to episode 10 of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. It's a double-digit edition, and as you might you might be able to tell, I'm not quite myself. I'm carrying a broken rib. Um, I fell off my bike a few days ago, unfortunately, outside the coffee shop. Um, so yeah, I'm not quite myself, but I will soldier on uh, and continue with the top of the show. Now, this week we have another first. An actual human lion is my guest today, and I'm talking, of course, about the Lion of Flanders himself, Johan Museo. We discuss the calming effect of lockdown, the joys of sharing your passion for cycling with your kids, and of course, the massive difference that two millimeters can make. And the Grand Chores is back, and this week I'm cleaning the shower while soldiering on with a broken rib. Ow. Hello, and welcome. Are you ready? Because it's that time again. Proven to save between 2 and 5 watts, the combination of Ceramic Speed's OSPW system and UFO chain make for one of the fastest drivetrains on the market. Throughout June, order an OSPW system at Sigma Sports and get a free UFO chain. There's never been a better time to upgrade to ultimate performance. Find out more about this offer on the podcast page at sigmasports.com. Johan Museo won Paris-Roubaix and the Tour of Flanders three times each, earning himself the envious nickname the Lion of Flanders. He also won the World Road Championships in 1996 by taking the advice of a certain Eddie Merckx. Simply put, he's probably the best classics rider of his generation. And he's also a real gentleman who is very generous with his time, especially considering that while we were chatting, my broken rib was causing me a great deal of pain. So when I listen out for my muted groans of agony and my stoic attempts not to laugh too much, as well as Johan's cool and professional approach of ignoring it and getting on with the task at hand. Uh, I'm here. It's it's Matt. I'm feeling a bit fragile, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, alongside me, well, not alongside me, he's kind of in Belgium. Uh, Itiahu Museo. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> Hello. Well, uh, Johan, yeah, thanks very much for, for joining us. Um, before we start properly, could you, for the people that are going to be listening to this podcast, could you just explain and describe to us where you are and what, what you can see around you? Um, I'm outside because the weather is very beautiful the last weeks and the last months um, and I see green everything because it was raining yesterday quite hard and everything is growing so the most of the time I'm outside with the bike but now I'm not on the bike I will do the podcast now for you with the pleasure but uh, I, I when it's good weather I like to be outside even when I have a meeting because the most of the time I do meetings on the bike. Ah, and okay. Now I'm, I'm, I sit in the front of me, my, uh, yeah, my computer. And on the right side, I have a bottle of sprinkling water. And on the left side, I have an empty coffee. An empty yeah, coffee. That's it, that's yeah. And I see my beautiful bike over there. Your beautiful bike as well. For the afternoon. <laughs> well, I, I'm um, I'm in my loft in, in on my top floor. I ha- I'm not outside. I'd love to be outside, but I have a cup of coffee that I've just made. And um, Johan, just whereabouts in Belgium um, are you, do you live? For the moment, I live in Histel, um, but um, I will go again to Odenade because uh, I have there an apartment. But because of the problems that we have with uh, COVID, eh, with the corona. I have moving to my uh, son uh, a couple months, but uh, now it's already much better here in Belgium, and I will move back again to Odenaar. Uh, probably you know the place Odenaar because that's yes. already a couple of years the finish line of the Tour of Flanders. Yeah. And if you don't know the Tour of Flanders, I won three times the Tour of Flanders. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say this. Uh, yes. You, you, you really need anybody who's listening to this podcast can, uh, doesn't doesn't really know need an introduction. But yeah, the, the, it's it's wonderful to speak to you, the, the line of Flanders. And uh, during these during these different time uh, difficult times, Johan. I mean, how have you been? How have you been coping? But I have been noticing on social media you've been out on your bicycle a lot. But but how are you? How are you feeling in yourself? Are you in a good place? Yeah, it it was it was difficult after a couple of weeks because uh, 
the first week after the lockdown, yeah, it's 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 still okay. But after a couple of weeks, then you realize there is something very strange for the moment and very hard and difficult. Mm. And if you go in with the bike to Bruges or to Antwerpen or to Ghent, big cities, everything was empty. Nobody on the road and everybody was so quiet and silent. And that's afraid for me. I was afraid because people was different. And if you have to go to the shop, everybody was afraid. And it, it was really a difficult time for me to understand what's happening. Mm. Because I, I love to have people around me, and I I, I love biking, but not always alone. I, I like biking with people that I love biking. So that's uh, yeah, it's it's from last week that we can starting with with other people. Before yeah. I was riding alone or with my young boy Stefano, who was also yeah. pro- professional. And yeah, um, the day was we start in the morning, breakfast, easy on, no stress. We have time. And then we did a couple hours biking, and then yeah, then it was television, and in the evening it was always yeah. I have to be honest. Every day I have opened a bottle of red wine. Okay. <laughs> because there was no other things to do. Uh, yeah. It was so strange and difficult. But now it's already it's much better now, and yeah, we have to be positive in the situation that we are. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a. Uh I think that's important is to try and remain positive. But I felt the same thing. I mean, it, it, we had a similar situation over here and, and we were lucky in the United, in, in the UK and, and you were lucky in Belgium that we could ride outside because many, many of our colleagues and friends in different countries in Spain, Italy, France couldn't ride outside. So I think we've been quite lucky in Belgium and the UK that we could ride. But yeah, it, it made, it was like living in a film or something, wasn't it? It's kind of a really strange, yeah. strange feeling. You know, a strange um, feeling, and it, 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 there is always something positive on it, because then you realize uh, it's not just working and busy, and sometimes you have to take time to relax yourself, yeah, and to to hear somebody that you didn't hear a long time, like old friends or people that you never hear because everybody is so busy, and you don't think about uh, your friends or ex colleagues, and and not, on that time. Every, t- every day there was something new that sent me a text message or was calling me. Yeah. And that was really new because then you realize mm, everybody is in the same position now and everybody yeah, is afraid and thinking, yeah, what, what we have to do in that situation. Yeah. I mean, did you, did you find though that um, although it was a strange situation, um, that you were discovering new things. I mean, to talk about you know, speaking to, different, to friends you'd not spoken to for a while, but did you look at the outside in a different way, riding on your own and with your son? Because I, I think when I've been out for my few rides and I've been going out for walks every day, I'm noticing different things about nature that I, did, I don't really, I didn't really notice before. That because we're all so busy all of the time, you just get on with riding and you don't stop to contemplate. I think it's been a strange time, but for me, I've. I'm looking at things in a different way as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was new for for everybody because you are alone at home, and you can do what you want at home. And for us, for me and my son Stefano, it it was biking, and then you get out, but you don't see anybody on the, on on the streets. And what what in the beginning, and it was strange because we saw animals that you don't see normally because it was so quiet no cars no people and yeah the animals were coming out and want to say hey what's happening here there is nobody and you see rabbits and you saw everything on the streets and that was really something special for me yeah because it was silence and you see the nature was was different yeah Yeah, that that was really positive for me what about riding with your son, though? Because uh, giving this ad- additional time to ride with your son, I know your, your son is um, turning professional for a continental team this year. He's riding for the Beat Cycling Club, isn't he, this year? And I know he's progressed so so well, but it, th- this time must have been very special for you to just, just be in this, in, a, in kind of isolation with your son, spending that important time on your bike. And I've spoken to many people who, you know, r- riding with their kids, riding with their children, whether they're professional or whether they're just young kids just riding along, at, at 10 kilometers an hour it's just it's a very very special time to, to have that to have that isn't it yeah i have two sons and uh, 
I'm, I can't say I'm more close with the youngest. Uh, I have more time with him because we bike together. Yeah. My oldest, uh, he's working and he's biking sometimes, and sometimes he's biking, but it's it's different because he's in a oration, in oration, and he has his job and he is very busy. So my young boy, I, I see him, yeah, every day, and we are biking every day together on the bike. You, yeah, then then you then you are. Then it's different than than in, inside because you're free and uh, yeah you have to take care of of of, of him and he of me and, um, but I saw some new roads because um, I say to him okay I follow you when it's possible yeah. because he was getting harder yeah. each year that's also reason that he gets professional. And it there was always a beat for me to to stay with him. Sure. And may, yeah, when when it was possible to do some pain with him, but yeah, now okay. it's over. <laughs> now he okay. and now he dropped me on the cobblestones, and then he uh, waited at the end of the section with a big smile, and he said, "Daddy, now we have the time that you are suffering. <laughs> it's, it's time, or it's now it's time that you're suffering me. No problem. But uh, yeah." It was uh, nice that we can bike together a couple months. We don't speak about a couple of weeks. We have getting a, a lockdown of three months, and that's a long yeah. time to be yeah. together. Yeah, I, I, it's just. I mean, I've met you. I've raced with you a lot over the last thirty years. I've met you a few, quite a lot now recently, and you do sound, Johan, if you don't mind me saying, very, very relaxed. You sound. You know, like you said, this is a very, very difficult time for us all, but you sound very um, chilled and, and relaxed in yourself. You sound quite calm. Is that is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, yeah. You're not the first that, that say to me because uh, last week I have uh, uh, my first meeting with, uh, with somebody and that was my manager of uh, my last two years as, as professional. Okay. And it was time to meet each other again uh, for the future. And he said, after one hour, Johan, can I say something to you? You are so chill for the moment and so different. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm relaxed, I'm chill, and but maybe next month or in a couple of months, we are in the same rhythm. Yeah, like yeah, 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 exactly. That's exactly. live, eh? It is. No, it's, and no, I have nothing to do, and it starts slowly. Yeah, I'm okay. biking with people and I bike with groups and, and it's nice and it's okay. But yeah, for the moment I have nothing else to do because everything was cancelled. We hope we can open again very soon to exactly. guiding people around because that's my job to to guiding people around. My, my company name is Museum Cycling Experience and that's what I want to give to people. The experience on the bike, and I, I see the, from again from looking at your Instagram primarily, you've been riding a lot recently, obviously with your son, and and increasing with groups again. And I noticed that you've been riding um, up the Muir de Herz, the Herzbergen, um, almost celebrating it because sadly this year in the Tour de Flanders, a race that you love so much, that's so close to your heart, and that is an iconic climb in in, in the in the in Flanders. Because of the coronavirus and because of the crowd situation, if the race goes ahead, it's not going to be going up the Muir, is it? So you were riding almost yeah. in, in, a, in a respectful way, just uh, riding it this year yourself because it will not be in the race this year. Yeah, I did it on Monday uh, with four guys. and uh, I say, okay, we're riding to the Muir and then we can do something on social uh, to have uh, yeah, that monument, to, to respect that monument. Um, it's not in this year, and yeah, I'm I'm not agreed with that because for me to the Flanders, it has to be 265k. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, this year when it's and I hope and it will be, it will be 235. Okay, that's different. Um, it will be different when I was riding, and they say, "Okay, now we will be caught short in the Tour of France." I didn't happy with it because after 200k, you see other riders, and you have riders that are 
empty after 200 and you have riders that coming better after 200 yeah. and i yeah. was some kind of rider that you can't say you're better than in the beginning but you're the same yes yeah and yeah for riders like van avermaet all of the nurses and yeah it's 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 yeah it's it's not okay for them because they all ride with with a big engine and they love to have yeah, 260k this year it's it's not like that i understand the organization because in a different time of the year yeah and, and it's not critic because i'm not a critic man but yeah i i know that the mur of Gerasbergen is so mythic for everybody and this year it's not in so i say to my friends we will ride on and you say hello to the mur nice to meet you <laughs> it is you're right though because Sorry, I'm. I'm just going to talk about briefly. If if I stop talking, Johan, it's because I broke my rib on Monday um, at a cafe. I'd stopped. I, I'd been for one hour on my own, just nice tempo, spinning the legs. Stopped at a cafe near my house, um, just for a takeaway coffee. Tried to ride away with the coffee in one hand, and riding with just one hand on the handlebars, and I hit a little stone. And I, I crashed down in front of three other cyclists who had just stood there ordering their drinks. And now I have a broken rib. So apologies uh, if I yell out in pain or something like that. So, I, yeah, I didn't no, sleep much no, last I, night. So. I know what it is to have a broken <laughs> rib. It's not good, is it? Uh, it's, 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 it's all you have to say, but it's, it's, it'll be for a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I was going to laugh then, but I'm, I and, tried and not it's to. It's not so. okay to laugh now. <laughs> You have to be serious. Okay. That's, anyway, that's very difficult for you. To it be is serious. very. You know it. You know for me, it's hard to be serious, yeah, mate. Yeah. But uh, but um, it, it's it's so good to talk to you. And um, um, yeah, you have a very very calming aura about you. Can I just say that? But but I want to go back to the Tour of Flanders again because I want to ask you. Um, I was I was looking reading up on uh, on your results uh, yesterday evening with a nice uh, with a nice glass of wine. Uh, and I was thinking how important Flanders has been to you as well as Paris-Roubaix, but if you could, Johan, if you were, were given tomorrow the job of being the organiser of the Tour of Flanders and they said to you, Johan, you can design the route, what would you, would you keep it as the route that you won so many times on, three times, 93, 95, 98, or would you do one of the newer routes that we've seen over the last few years or would you do something completely different what would you do well, you know sometimes they they ask me some advice i'm not in the organization but uh, sure. i know quite good uh, Walter van Nout, the owner yeah and also thomas van der spiegel uh, the ceo of uh, flanders classic and uh, okay yeah sometimes they send me a text and they ask something to me but i'm not in the organization okay um yeah it's difficult to to answer that question because now it's already a couple of years that they have done the transformation yeah from Meerbeek to Odenade yep. and they do some loops over there with three times the old Quarmo yeah. two times Patersberg and yeah I, I know I don't know it's it's harder now than before um, I think so but it, it's another way of, of riding now as well. So uh, you can look to generations. And it's now you have this generation with the champions. Sure. In our generation, we have our generation. And it, you have the generation of Eddie Merckx. Of course. course. Yep. And now you have to look now on the new circuit of Tour of France. So I'm happy that they have done the transformation to Odenar because that's really the center of the, of, uh, the Flemish Arden. Um, it's better for, for everybody than Meerbeek. Okay. Yeah. But, okay, in my generation you have the Muur and the Bosbach. Yeah. That was the last two hills that you can do something if you want. Yeah. Now they wait my opinion they wait always for the last time old quarmel and the last time patersberg yeah so 
I think is I think the finale, the Quadamonte and the Paterberg, and that that final climb of the Paterberg and the Quadamonte, um, it, it for me as as just a, as a as a commentator and also as a fan of the sport. I mean, the atmosphere that is created on the Quadamonte with the three laps, um, it's pre- it's pretty special. And I, and I think although you you have maybe you know nine k's of flat before the finish uh, in Udenada. It's a pretty stern test, and I think we've seen some good races. But um, the riders obviously still wait a little bit near the end. But I think the Tour of Flanders isn't a good place. It's a, it's a spe- still a very very special race in this modern era, isn't it? Yeah, they do it. They do it three times. The old quarterman. It doesn't mean that you have to be uh, in the back the first time and the second time. So you have to be always careful everywhere. Yeah. Um, the the year that she'll bear one. There was a breakaway on the mur after 120k. So they quick step did the move over there and the, the race was over. So with Flanders, you have to be careful in the beginning and everywhere. Yeah. So it can be happen everywhere. That's yeah. so typical on that race and so stressful. Yeah. You know, normally it will start in the last 40, 50k. But it can start all, also before. So on the Koppenberg, for example, Koppenberg is one of the hardest hill and the steepest hill, and you can you don't win the race over there, but you can lose the race over there. Of course, yeah, if yeah. You are in a bad position, and there is something, yeah, somebody had crashed or something like that. Yeah, then then it's over. So yeah. the meaning of Koppenberg is you have to be in a good position in the beginning, top ten, of course. And then you gotta get up with yeah, not so many losing uh, energy. That's yeah. the meaning of the Copenberg because at the top everybody was looking always to each other, the situation. Because then they go down and then you have immediately three K big road. So you can go over there. Exactly. I mean, because you you know that the roads around um, Flanders so well, and of course the roads of Roubaix, and obviously you live and you ride these roads every day. And recently with your son, and and with your son wanting to aim to be a, a, a professional, do you what what knowledge do you, are you imparting or, or giving to your son at the moment? Um, and what advice are you giving him, or are you letting him find his own way? I know he's still very young. Let, let's stress that. He's still a very young guy, continental level at the moment, but with big ambition. Do you have to hold back or or you, or do you do you talk tactics with him? I'm just intrigued because of the level that you've been at and obviously the pressure that, that there must be having the, the Museo name, just like Axel Merckx when he was riding. And you were a teammate of Axel, weren't you? Um, when Axel was riding as a professional. Um, yeah, how do you kind of, de- yeah, how do you deal with that with your son in terms of uh, the pressure that must be upon him? First, a word of actually, because he was a couple of years my teammate, and I know, of course, quite good the family. Um, yeah. And I know Eddie Merckx because he was my coach in Lugano. Um, so it, it was not so easy for Axel to be a professional rider. Yeah. Uh, he know to be better, to do better than, than Eddie, that's impossible. Of but course. But he did it quite good, Axel. Quite yeah. good. He, he was not a big talent, but he did everything for it. And he has uh, really a lot of patience. And that's also what Stefano have patience for it, to, to do everything for it, and to have training and to to have a life like a professional. Yeah, that's what I like, to, to have patience for what you do. Sure. When it's something else in your life, uh, your job or something, or, or it doesn't matter what, you have always to have patient for it that you love what you want to do what you do yeah, yeah. and yeah tactical way i help stefano but he walk with a trainer because of course now training system it's totally different than my generation my generation yeah. was hours and hours and hours and kilometers <laughs> yeah so that's what what it was we did uh, five six seven eight hours on the bike every day yeah so we didn't know that it was not necessary, but every did this every day. Everybody did the same. Yeah. So, uh, but no, it's totally different. And Stefano has a trainer. Uh, he works together with the same trainer at uh, Mathieu van der Poel. So, uh, okay. It's, it's a good trainer, and 
yeah, I'm let them free for training, but tactical way. And for the moment, there is no tactical way because there is there is no races. <laughs> exactly, I can yeah. help them. Cool. But for a program and for uh, yeah, sometimes yeah, not sometimes. Every day we 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 talking about cycling and training and yeah, other riders and yeah, that's that's our life. Eh? It's it's uh, beautiful if you can share uh, your passion with with your son. Definitely, yeah. especially if you're, as you say, if you if you have the passion, if you have the heart, if you, the desire, and also if you're smart, you know, if you if you're very smart, um, and you train properly, and you can get the maximum out of your your capacity with a good coach, which is what we, which is what is different. Like you say, back in back when you were riding, and, and even when I was riding, I, I never really had a coach. I just I remember when Sean Yates was my manager, and I, I said, "Look, I'm going to be pro next year. What do I need to do?" And he said. Just do more miles, Matt. It was simple as that. A very short phone call. He said, do more miles. When you normally ride four, ride six. When you normally ride five, ride seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, but, but it, and that was what it was like 20 years ago, wasn't it? You know, it's yeah, very different. That was our generation. And now I have, yeah, sometimes I'm thinking to myself, if I see the program of Stefano, mm, I think you have to do more hours. Yeah. <laughs> because that's 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 yeah or thinking of it because i did i have done it you have done it but now it's totally different uh, they, they have now the power meter and they see everything if the power meter doesn't work they come crazy yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how it is so uh we didn't have power meter we have a small computer i have the avocet computer yeah, remember and that. I see the, the miles and the kilometers, and uh, that's it. Uh, looking back, um, and obviously you 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 specialised as as everybody knows in the the northern classics, all, all the way from Omloop right the way through um, to Paris Bay. But then you at different. There's a, there's a big change in the way the riders focus on, the, on their events and, and their, their kind of program now. They will focus on the Ardennes. They will either focus on single week stage races, focusing on the Grand Tours, or they'll focus on the Cobble Classics. But looking at your old program, you used to start, yeah, Omloop. Then you go to the Paris-Nice, for example. But then you do all of the monuments. You do Milan-San Remo, um, E3. Flanders, Wevelgem, Roubaix, but then you would go to the Ardennes as well. So you do Liège, Shell de Pries, and then Amstel. I mean, that must have taken, I mean, the, the amount of racing days that we used to do and that you used to do back then was incredible, wasn't it? Uh, I, I can't say or if, when it, it's more than now. It, now it's more specific, as you say. Yeah, yeah. You have a classic rider, you have a Tour de France rider or Giro rider. But in my generation, I was a classic racer, one day racer. But we have, you know, that we have still the meaning that we have to do the Tour of France to be okay for uh, for Zurich and all the World Cup races after. Yeah, I did a couple of years the Tour of France, special for after to be good and the World Cup races after. Yeah, because I won also two times Zurich. It doesn't exist anymore. And, that was the world, the first World Cup race after the Tour of France. Sure. So I stay in the Tour of France just thinking to myself, now I'll be better than everybody because I have finished the Tour of France. And that's over now. That's over now. Um, they can prepare now with, with training. Our generation have to do a lot of races to be okay and to have, yeah. To, to, to be sure that, that you're okay for that race. Yeah. But, yeah, I was starting always with Ruta del Sol in Spain. Always. That was my first race of the year. It was five days. Because it wasn't Australia. It wasn't Qatar. It wasn't, uh, yeah. That was the beginning of the program, Ruta del Sol. And all the teams. Then we did Valencia. And then we did the Omloop. That then was for us the first time really here in Flanders that you have to be there. And then slowly we start the other races. And we did the couple races, Flanders, Rube. And then, of course, we did uh, yeah, the Esbastonniers and Amstel race. But there was yeah. a meaning for it because in our generation we have the World Cup jersey. Yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah, as a classic rider, 
if you did it quite good in Flanders and Roubaix. And when you have the World Cup jersey, yeah, then you have to defend that jersey in Liège and also in the Amsterdam Gold Race to get some points. Of course, yeah. That was a little bit the meaning of it, uh, that you are on the start over there. And also to let to show the people your jersey, because it was a very beautiful jersey. It was even so beautiful as a World Cup jersey. I, I think there's something to be said for that, isn't there? Because now you, there's no real kind of ranking system that means anything. Of course, you have the, the, the World Tour, the leading World Tour rider, the leading World Tour team, but everybody's so specific in what they aim for. It's generally the classics, the single-day classics, or, or the Grand Tours, isn't it now? But back then, and if anybody who's listening to this doesn't know what we're talking about, there was basically a single-day World Cup, but the leader, after one event, which was Milan San Remo, used to wear a white jersey, but with like the rainbow band, but in a slightly different color, but going down the jersey rather than across. And, and the leader obviously got points all the way through the year, and the final race was in Lombardia. Um, depending on obviously what, the way the season was structured, but um, it was pretty prestigious. And that jersey I thought was really iconic, wasn't it? It was a really nice jersey to, to have and to defend. Yes, and my generation was uh, other champions like Bettini, for example, and Oscar Ferrer. They have won also a couple of times the World Cup jersey and they are really happy that they won that jersey. And they are happy in Lombardia that they are on the podium with, with that jersey. So, uh, yeah, it was also a beautiful jersey. I have still some some copper jersey of it. And sometimes I am, I open my box to see the jersey, <laughs> to give the memories outside the box. That's fantastic. Did you, did you don't have that were any of those hanging on the wall? I have some jerseys on the wall, like in the Odenade in the Central Museum. Okay. We have three museums here in Belgium. Yeah, and the tree of museums, they have some jerseys of me. But I have also some jerseys at home. And yeah, they are in, uh, in, in boxes. And sometimes I open the box and say hello to my jerseys. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful way to think. I mean, the uh, obviously the, to everybody in cycling, I think, and it's fair to say, especially somebody like yourself who's won this jersey the, the rainbow jersey is the jersey though isn't it you know the, the, the rainbow bands and you you won that race way back in 1996 in Lugano and um, I, I actually rode I, I, you, you know that we've had this conversation I rode the, the first kind of I think I quit with two laps to go but it, the race was very very hard and you won the, the world title there um, on a course that was maybe more suited to riders who do well in the Ardennes it was a combination of like a, a classics like a Flanders kind of route without the cobbles and the Ardennes it was very hilly two climbs every lap but that was um, would you say that's one of your most magnificent days on, on the bike uh, aside from obviously winning th three, three times Roubaix three times Flanders that must have been a very very special day for you it, it is it, it was special but okay the circuit was mm, we did the renaissance the year before because I was riding in the Italian team Mape and they invite us because uh, that's close to, to Italy eh? Lugano to have the renaissance uh, for, uh, for the race and we did it with the whole team in January and I say already hmm, it will be quite hard to win here yeah me because it, it was a it was a hard race with a lot of altitude meters um, but you never know because it was at the end of the year and um, one day I can do one day a hard race I won also Amsa Gold race I won Zurich two times uh, I was two times second in San Sebastian yeah San Sebastian <laughs> it's a hard race uh, I was one the year that Lance Armstrong won I was second Sure. So uh, he dropped me in the descent. Wow. And yeah, I, I love that race. And I know it was a hard race for me, San Sebastian, but okay, I can get on the podium. When it was one day and hard, I can do it. But more than one day, it wasn't okay. Like example, in the Tour de France, in the high mountains, two days, then it was over. Sure. Empty battery. Yeah, but okay. Um, I prepare well for the worlds, and it was a hard year that year. 
because it was also the year of the Olympics in Atlanta. Of course, yeah, yeah. I did uh, the Tour de France, and yeah, we arrived in in Paris. A cup, uh, uh, a small glass of champagne, because one hour later we have to take the flight to Atlanta already. It was two only two yeah. days. Yeah, a few days, a week away, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, we did the Olympics, and I was in a good shape, and I, I was express, especially did the Tour de France to prepare the Olympics. But finally, it wasn't the race for me, and I was tenth. Okay, ten the Olympics. That's that's nothing, and I was a little bit. I was disappointed. I went home, and then I had to prepare. Uh, yeah. This, the third piece of the season with all the World Cup races. I get to Italy again a couple of weeks, and there was a moment that I was thinking to myself, "What I'm doing here in my life? Yeah. I always traveling. I'm always yeah. in the hotel. I'm always racing. I don't see my kids. I see nobody. I just do race racing." That's not okay, and yeah, that was a difficult moment for me, and that was a month before Lugano for the World Cup, and, and I was a little bit, and now I can say after I was a little bit in a depressed situation. Okay. Um, but yeah, as as a sporter, you're you're hard and harder than than everybody, and you don't let feel that you're depressed and that you're in, in another situation. And I did, the week before the Worlds, I did uh, Paris Tours, and in Paris Tours, I have to defend my World Cup jersey, okay. because I was leader, and I have to take some points. But we have also Tom Stills, the sprinter in the team, Okay. and Paris Tours was a race for a sprinter, of course. Yes. And in the morning at the briefing, Patrick Prefervo said to us, okay, today we vote on two guys. We vote for the sprint on Tom Stills and also for Johan because he have to take some points. Hmm. That was already difficult for me because uh, you can't count on two horses. Yeah. You have to count on one horse, otherwise okay. you lose. And yeah, Finally, we did the sprint. Tom Steele didn't won, and I didn't have points. And I was so, after the race, disappointed. And yeah, and yeah, that was the moment that there was cameras and all the press was near around me. And I was so, yeah, a, a moment of out of control. Sure. I say, I stop racing. It's over. I stopped racing. And I was away. Wow. And yeah, there was a little bit of confusing for everybody because there was television and, and journalists and uh, yeah, they say uh, already the day after the newspaper, Johan Museo will stop racing. Yeah, and on the day after, on Monday, yeah, it's another day. It's another life. Then you have to decide what you will do. Because six days later was the World Championships. Yeah. <laughs> and on the morning, in the morning, I saw a particular favor, and I hear Giorgio Squinzi, the sponsor of Mape. They say, "Okay, Johan, relax. Take the airplane, come over to Italy, and we speak of it." Okay, the airplane, suitcase, traveling to to Milan. I saw Giorgio Squinzi with Patrick. And yeah, I was happy again. Okay. That's also the life of a sportive, because sometimes you can be yeah, disappointed and the day after you're happy. Yeah. That's the way of, yeah, that's how, how it is. Yeah, some big big emotional shifts, isn't there? You can, like yeah. you say, sometimes yeah. ask yourself questions. I think we, we've all done that, especially in cycling. And I'd, I'd imagine other difficult sports, but cycling in particular, when you don't feel good, when you miss your, your family, your wife, your kids, uh, and you're suffering, the form isn't there. Um, you do ask yourself many questions, but then 
finally you get the result for yourself or for the team. I mean, that's, I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, we'll move on to the race in a, in a minute, but so coming into that week, you know, based on you were, you were leading the, the World Cup, uh, you'd had a, a really good season, had, a, had a, a solid season, very, very consistent. Who, a week before the World Championships, who was the team leader for Belgium in 96? Was it you or was it, or, or was it, because Axel was up there as well, wasn't he? He was riding very well. No, we didn't have a, a, a big team. Um, mm. It wasn't, we didn't have, that generation, we didn't have so many good riders as now. No. Now you have more than one name. Uh, in that generation, it was, yeah, it was me and that was, and you have from Petegem, but from Petegem was still growing. And Petegem sure. was coming better after a couple of years later. Yep. From Petegem was winning five years later, Roubaix and France. So he was not really the big champion that he was a little bit later. And yeah, I, I was alone and not really alone because I was together with Axel Merckx. And yeah, I have to say Lugano was for me special because Eddie Merckx was my coach. Yeah. And Axel have done a lot for me during the race. Sure. So I have, I say always when I see Eddie and when I see Axel, thank you what you have done for me. And also Eddie, because you, you know if you don't know, but I will tell something. Two days before the Worlds, in the morning, Eddie was coming me and I was in the front of my bike. And Eddie said to me, if you, your saddle position, eh? if you get up two millimeters, your saddle position, because it's quite hard and quite hilly, yeah. you have to move up your saddle two millimeters, then you will win on Sunday the Worlds. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and that's a true <laughs> story. Eh? I do. You, I remember you. You have. You have told me that once before, but I don't think anybody. Not many. I don't think you told many people or many people who are listening to this. But that. That's fascinating, and, and you did it. You, you. Yeah. What What did you think straight away? I mean, obviously, it's Eddie Merckx telling you what to do. You're You're going to listen, aren't you? Really. <laughs> you know. You, you're there you're in gonna... the front of Eddie Merckx and <laughs> to, to do some last training, and he said to you, "If you move up your saddle two millimeters, you will become the new world champion." Wow. And I know Eddie has always uh, a key in his pocket to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and after a couple of seconds, I say, okay, Eddie, we do it. And we move it two millimeters higher than normally. And I won on Sunday. So that's a story that I never... It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. incredible. And um, and in the end, I mean, we we know we know the result. You were away with Giannetti, who you beat in the sprint. Bartoli was third, and Axel, after looking after you so well, still ran fourth place, didn't he? Just missed out on a medal. So it was a very special performance by the small Belgian team, and of course by yourself. It was a small Belgian team, but Axel Merckx was did a great job for me. Uh, yeah, and he arrived also fifth, I think. Eh? Fourth, 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 yeah, fourth, yeah, fourth, yeah, fourth. So, yeah, he did also good results, and finally, you, you, I won on a circuit that normally was too hard for me, because every year I was tried to be world champion. Because that's for me one of the biggest, nicest race in the world. So, yeah. one day I want to be a world champion. It's it's not so easy to be it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's even difficult, more difficult. For, it was difficult for me than to win uh, Flanders or Roubaix. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, Flanders, you have the circuit Roubaix as well, and you know, okay, that's a perfect circuit for me. But yeah, every year, yeah. it's it's in a, in a different country and a different circuit and a different uh, race. So yeah, you need some lucky as well with the circuit. In Zolder, yeah, I mean, Cipollini won, it was flat. Okay, it was also good for me, but Cipollini won. Yeah, of course, yeah. No, it's a, it's, it, it's a race, like I said, I started in the team with uh, Max Giandri and uh, Jeremy Hunt, and Sean Yates was riding. And um, in the end, there was only 49 finishers. The, the last three guys were 25 minutes behind. 
and then the top 20 four minutes i mean and, and all the riders behind you when you look at them they weren't really they were, they were they were classic specialists and stage races but the climbers for they were guys for the ardennes gianetti bartoli veronk Jalabert, Rebellin, Rominger, <laughs> Reese. <laughs> yeah. You know, these so you were when you look at your position in that race, um in the context of the kind of rider you were at that time, I wouldn't say it was a surprise, but you you beat some of the finest climbers in the world on a course that would anybody would have bet would have gone to a climber. So that, that's what I guess made it even sweeter for you. Yeah, that that's true. Uh if you say at the start uh, you have a chance here then you say okay 50 50 eh? um, but yeah i have the way i've always tactical way uh, before i say in that race it will be hard to win i have to do something special than normally because yeah. in tour of Flanders, i i know what i have to do in Roubaix, i have to I, I know what i have to do um but on that race i have to do something different than normally I say to myself when there is a breakaway half race I go in immediately yeah and half half race there was a breakaway of 25 riders that's a lot yeah yeah that's a lot and I was in and I was paddling I was paddling slowly without uh, losing energy sure and slowly we get in the final and I feel still great. I feel still okay. And the legs were still full. So then you realize, okay, now is my day. It will be my day. Sure. And then you're in the final, you're away with Mario Giannetti, a Swiss guy who was living in Lugano. Yeah. He was living in Lugano and a Swiss guy. And yeah, he was really motivated. And it was also a circuit for him. And yeah, he tried to, to drop me two times. But I was feeling so strong. I was he, he attacked, and after one or three seconds, I was riding near him, and I say nothing to him, but I was looking in his eyes. I say, "Mora, it will be impossible to drop me." And yeah, that's sometimes you do something that's not really okay, but you can do as a, as a professional as. A, as yeah. a killer, yeah. you, you you have to be a little bit a killer. Eh? Yeah, of course. Uh, you, yeah, you, as as yeah. a champion, so it's not. Maybe it's not really a good to say a killer, but yeah, you have. You to have to. Be, you have to have the killer instinct. I think is is yeah. what is is a good way of saying it. You yes. you cannot you cannot show if, if, when there is a world championships or a world title or a, a big event at stake in boxing or whatever. You have to have an instinct to win. And sometimes that means you have to be cold, you have to be calculated, and you have to show no mercy. Um, yeah. You know, um, okay, you're not taking anybody's life, but you, you, you want the win more than them. And you can use, you know, psychological warfare and those kind of tactics um, can demoralize somebody. And if you have those, if you are that confident, you need to use that as well as just showing how strong you are on a bike. That's one of the most important fundamental things about being a champion is the ability to, to wear your rivals out just by pure confidence and 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 spirit you know yep yep you say it good <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> no i was i was i was looking two times in his eyes and yeah i saw his motivation was going down yeah that's and so friend, it was easy for me to win from him because he wasn't really a sprinter sure yeah sure. after a hard race i was still a good sprinter i say yeah. normally i I'm always starting at 200 meters from finish. And I did the same at 200 meters from finish, bam. Yeah, and then you then you win, then it can start everything. Eh? Yeah, that's fantastic. The show was starting then. <laughs> I remember it very well, because at that point I was back in my hotel watching on the television. <laughs> I finished that race with Peter Van Pettigem, actually. I rode into the finish with him with two laps to go to watch the finish at my hotel but a uh, a big big day and a, a you know wonderful chapter of your career it's it's been really it's been really lovely talking to you uh, johan we i think we could go we could do a complete podcast just for I I every single race there's so much to talk about but before before i go um is there 
one thing that we as the general public and are fans of, of Johan and as fans of cycling don't know about you what what else do you like to do in your spare time apart from cycling what's your uh, one other big oh. passion in, in life yeah, my, my, my my great passion is, is still biking and if I speak with uh, colleagues then they don't understand me <laughs> why I still love biking and still bike a lot and of course, I have other patients. Um, I love to get out to, to eating. And sure. I, I have another patient that's, that's, yeah, I'm drinking sometimes, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> a glass of red wine. And okay. that was always also starting during my career when I was yeah. riding in Italy. Of course, yeah, yeah. I didn't know nothing about red wine. Right. And slowly, uh, they put a bottle of red wine on the table and they say, this is very famous wine and that you have to taste. And uh, and slowly, there was coming a little bit uh, yeah, patient of, of red wine. And I have okay. still now that patient of red okay. wine. And if I go to my cellar, because I have a wine cellar, very nice. I have to make the choice of uh, French wine, Spanish wine and Italian wine. Okay. And then, yeah, I go away always to the Italian side because okay. I have riding an Italian team. I have riding with some big champions in Italian team, Cipollini, Bartoli, uh, a lot of good, good riders. And I'm, I love Italy and I love the food in Italy. So, yeah, yeah that's all my other patients, uh, drinking wine. Uh, yeah. To eat something, yeah, it hasn't to be a Michelin star restaurant, no. But I love to have fun with with people around me, even when it's a picnic after biking outside. I love it. That's but I, I try to profit my life now because, and then maybe we can stop. I was already two times away here from this beautiful place that we are after my crash in Parirobe then yeah. I have to fight for yeah, between Angreen and the lake and then a couple of years later then I was in Combe I say it correct it's correct yeah. Combe yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was eight days in Combe and yeah I I have had a lot of lucky that I'm still here and yeah. If you you change a little bit your way of sure. of living and uh, thinking of life, so yeah, we have to profit every day, every way, every hour, every minute. Yeah, well, that's um, a pretty profound way of of looking at it. I think uh, just what Johan was referring to there. He was after his crash in Paris-Roubaix. He uh, got gangrene in his leg. Um, from the knee injury and was put in a coma um, for over a week and yeah coming out the other side of that and then winning that race again a couple of years later um, just shows the resolve that you have as, a, as a, you know you're a, tr a true champion and but that's somebody that clearly enjoys the everyday things as well the simple things in life and that's important to remain grounded and just you know in, enjoy just it makes you appreciate things when you've been through something so traumatic and um, so life-changing yeah but that's also yeah. yeah we are not young anymore exactly no, we, we said tell me about it tell me about it I've, I've, yeah I've, i need to go and lie down after this just to and take some more painkillers i think but uh, but johan it's been it's been wonderful talking to you thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us here it's always uh yeah it's always good and yeah i'm, I'm feeling relaxed if you have an interview with me thanks very much johan thank you thank you Last week, oh, went a, went a bit hard then. Oh.
Last week, there was a bit of controversy surrounding the Grand Chores Stage 4, making the bed. A certain sports journalist was semi-accusatory regarding the speed at which I cast the duvet over the mattress, insinuating that I had help. Now, I need to unambiguously quash these rumours now, and I challenge any hack to come to my house, climb up a ladder, and, in accordance with social distancing guidelines, peer through my window and witness my bed-making attempt, and you'll see, you'll see that I'm no cheat. And you know who you are as well. Those pillows don't pick themselves up off the floor. I do all my own stunts, mate. Anyway, right, this week it's time for the Grand Chores Stage 5. Cleaning the shower whilst injured. Hello, um, welcome to Stage 5 of the Grand Chores. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one today um, because I'm carrying an injury. But I have got the all clear from the team doctor to go for the stage, and it is cleaning the shower. Um, I've got a TUE, I'm taking paracetamol um, for uh, a rib injury, for a broken rib that I sustained on Monday whilst carrying a oat milk flat wipe. I'm still gonna go for this, but um, it's gonna be a tough one. But uh, here I am, I'm in the bathroom now. It's a particularly technical stage because the shower itself is completely enclosed. It's tiled on three sides, has a full, full length glass door. Uh, as an entrance, um, and first things first, I'm gonna just crouch down and get the uh, get the bar bathroom ultra fast sift effect effective on daily bathroom dirt. It's a fast acting formula, and when I'm just squirting that on the bits that need a bit of a clean, concentrating on the heavily soiled areas, a little bit of soiling around the plug hole, repetitive. I've really warmed up my hand as well for this one to make sure I've got a really good squeeze action there. Now moving on to the tiles, moving on to the tiles, giving them a really good squirt. And uh, oh no, he's run out, he's run out of sif. Got a backup to go to neutral service. Oh no, it's pumping again. Just gonna have to quickly bend down, change. Got another one, fully loaded, and he's back. I haven't really missed a beat there. Oh no, the nozzle isn't working. You have to turn it round. Oh, all sorts. Big problems, I'm gonna have to, that's it, we've failed. Basically, cannot use that one, but I'm gonna move in. I'm wearing my sliders. Um, I'm gonna turn on the shower. I'm gonna make sure they've got the temperature right. That could change things dramatically. The shower is now on, it's rinsing away the grime. And now I'm gonna kneel down, this is hard. Broken, ah, ah! Oh, oh, ah. Okay, now. In a gentle circular motion now, washing away the grime, helping, combining my kind of efforts with the water. Ah. Dressed in my underpants, got a pair of sliders on, and an old t-shirt, and that grime, cutting through it, well, like a knife through some cheap margarine. Ow, I'm stuck on the floor, I'm stuck on the floor, cannot get up again. I have to lift myself up. And now turn off the shower, turn off the shower and step in. Now stepping into the shower area, as you can hear, I'm now crouching down, trying to get to these corners. This is difficult, carrying an injury, it's all about trying to get inside the time limit. It's not about glory today, it's about performing the task with integrity. Getting into those corners, scrubbing away. You found a rogue cube there. That's soon gone down the plug hole. Pull that out there. Moving on to the tiles. And a lot of pain here, but I'm still persevering. Watching the clock. Can I do it? Can I make it? That is the big question. Reaching round to the left-hand side. Oh, a big wad of horrible hair in the plug hole. That is going to cut. I think I'm going to struggle to get this out. Awful scenes here in the shower. Up. I have to rip, I'm going to leave, leave the hair, stepping outside one more time, turning on the shower to rinse, rinse the dirt away. It's shiny, but it's an incomplete stage. You can have to go to the race jury, speak to the commissaires about that one because of the hair down the plug hole. I'm exhausted, spent, but I think I've just about made the time cut. Folks, I need to lie down after that one. A proper high altitude effort in changeable conditions. One minute it was hot and steamy, the next icy showers. Real tough going. 
Anyway, please don't get in touch on Twitter at Real Stevens and at Sigma Sports if you have any Grand Chore suggestions using the hashtag Grand Chores because we've got simply too many suggestions coming in and we cannot process them all at this time. And thanks for your understanding on that one. Don't forget, it's a great time to upgrade to ultimate performance with Ceramic Speed. Order an OSPW system at Sigma Sports throughout June and get a free Ceramic Speed UFO chain. Just head to sigmasports.com forward slash podcast for all the details. Thanks again to Perry Apgwinner for the musical jingles on the podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the pod, and why not recommend it to your cycling buddies or your local ex-pro if you have one, even people who play golf if you have any in your family. And thanks again to Johan Musera for his time and giving us such a great insight into life under lockdown. Sometimes I say hello to my jerseys. Cracking stuff. Thanks, and goodbye.